Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What's up, pals? Welcome to the Bird Calls Podcast, dedicated to SB Nation's TheBirdRights.com. My name is Preston Ellis, and today we are talking the Oshner scandals and Frank Jackson. We'll touch on that at the end. Joining me is all-around knucklehead and Bird Rights contributor Travis Tate. What's up, Trav? Hey, how you doing, Preston? Thanks for having me again. Dude, I love having you. Come on all the time. And we've got Commander-in-Chief, the man who would not be moved, Ali Cassell. What's up, boss? Hey, Preston. How you doing, man? Good to what? finally join you on the podcast with Travis. You guys always have such a good time. I, I I just wanted to join in. Travis is the worst, man. We're going to have to keep him from bullying me. That's why you I know, brought you on today. So Ollie is much more the sweetheart. Maybe me and Ollie will take over and we'll kick you out, Preston. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. And what about that? Oh, but I'm, <laughs> I'm in control of the recording devices. You can't. No! <laughs> if you ever figure out how to, I'll be in. I'll be in deep trouble. Right, but right now, I think Ali is the only one privy to that information. You guys, let's get into it. As as always, you can follow these guys at Trabeta and at Red Hopeful. We won't talk about where Trabeta came from this episode. Maybe we'll touch on it the next one again. But you guys, I'm going to talk for a minute. So just sit back, relax. Just take in my voice. On July 26th, the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans, along with partner Oshner Health System, announced that they had agreed to a long-term partnership. It was eight years for the naming rights to the team's official training facilities. Now officially known as the Oshner Sports Performance Center, it's the only facility in all of North America that houses both an NFL training and NBA training facility. And uh, Tom Benson was quoted as saying, this is a very special announcement for us. Oshner has been a great partner for a long time. And uh, I, I really want to touch on this one next. The naming signals a commitment from Oshner, the New Orleans Saints, and the New Orleans Pelicans to use the Oshner Sports Performance Center to improve health and wellness across the state. That was President and CEO uh, Warner Thomas. And then Saints and Pelicans President Dennis Lauschka, I think, stated, Oshner's innovative, forward-thinking, patient-first medical teams and facilities are unsurpassed. And their focus on not only treating, 
but also preventing injuries will translate into a very beneficial partnership. Okay, let's talk credentials. Uh, Derek Jones is the section head of sports medicine and cartilage restoration at the Oshner Sports Medical Institute. And Misty Surrey, where did I have that? Uh, he is a fellowship trained sports medicine orthopedic surgeon. He is a surgeon, clinician, educator, and researcher. He is currently a team physician for the Saints, the Pelicans, UNO, Dillard, Delgado, Sudo, Xavier, as well as several high schools. Ali, the, the ink has not been dried on the agreement between these two major businesses made less than one month ago. The, the Oshner logo now litters the Saints and Pelicans training facilities. How bad does this look on both companies from a business perspective? It looks horrible. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat this, Preston. My first reaction when I heard the news, I really wanted to like almost join all the um, naysayers and hey look here's our proof look at this remember all those injuries we've seen over the years yeah hey guess what these doctors don't know what the hell they're doing but you know what that's the wrong take um and and it's funny that i would say because i've usually been at the forefront of you know kind of giving the organization a hard time for having an inadequate um health care and facilities and all and and such but it, as you said Preston, it's not a good look but you know what it's not the end of the world because if, if once, we, once we start talking about it and, and the evidence, we start talking about how Keenan Lewis, uh, how he's like a big part of this, uh, and it's revealed that his his main thing was he was after Derek Jones. His problem was not with Misty Surrey. And as you said, Misty Surrey had a lot of good uh, things said about him from uh, last year, which was really wasn't in his first year with the Pelicans as he was the uh, team physician. So... It's, you, you can't really just say what happened to the Saints with this one uh, injury, the Delvin Brew, and suddenly have it encompass all the uh, Pelicans' injury woes over the last, you know, God, five, six, seven years. I don't know how far back you want to take it because Misty Surrey wasn't there. So, really, we were only allowed to start judging him and the Pelicans' deci- decision to keep him since uh, he joined the force. So, yeah, even though it's an e- easy thing to all of a sudden nitpick, you, once you look at the facts, you can't do it. You know, Misty Surrey's been there a year. He's done a good job. So um, I'll turn it over to Travis. I've got a lot more to say, but yeah, I want to see what Travis has on this. Well, I just have any sort of problem uh, criticizing a team's medical staff just because that's not anything that anybody could possibly like accurately critique because unless you're like an actual doctor and you know these very specific points of a person's injury like the delvin bro situation like we didn't look at the original x-rays we're not doctors like there's just there's so much unknown there that i really don't like criticizing the medical staff and like i have a hard time seeing or thinking that the new orleans medical staff is somehow dumber or worse than the san diego chargers or the chicago bears or anyone else like i don't even know how you rank those things accurately but um it's definitely not a good look what's what's going on right now with that bro situation and uh it's unfortunate because it sort of it also makes their business side look a little sloppy or maybe incompetent just having this happened so close to that agreement that you mentioned preston that just you know that just took effect last month yeah, uh, a bunch of people have coming out, come out, including, like you said, Keenan Lewis, Chris Chamberlain, talking about 
potentially this is a reason why New Orleans has not become a free agency destination because they don't take play uh, take care of their players. Let's dive into exactly what happened. Delvin Bro uh, shockingly came up in trade rumors just over a week ago after head coach Sean Payton became impatient with his recovery process. Payton is not one to be patient with injuries, as evidenced by a history of of publicly shaming players for not practicing, like Keenan Lewis, Pierre Thomas, and the abrupt cutting of Daniel Ellerby uh, just this season. That took place just a month ago. You know when we're still several weeks away from the regular season, and uh, Payton did not deny these these rumors uh you know but 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 why the rush it's it's, it's merely preseason Peyton became so frustrated with the Saints number one corner in a in a position where the the Saints desperately needed talent that he demoted him to third on the depth chart floated his name in talks he was commented as saying uh we would never comment if we were to begin with and it rarely works that way it's very normal throughout training camp for teams to discuss different players and possible trades i wouldn't comment on that that would be club business but upon learning of the misdiagnosis peyton was quoted for years these guys have done a great job and yet there was a point at which we just felt as an organization that change was going to be necessary for us we'll be in the process of going through different candidates travis was this a knee-jerk reaction by a man trying to cover his own image after embarrassing an athlete for sitting on the sidelines with a broken leg? Or do you believe the Pelicans and the Saints just signed an eight-year contract with, like you said, a, a hospital that uh, produces bad doctors? I think it's, well, I don't want to say that they produce bad doctors. Again, that's that, that's that comment that I would stay away from. But it is a little bit of that first statement that you made, which is it's, it's, a, it's a nice piece of analysis you've done there where you can say, well, and football is so much different from basketball. Like everybody is so much more quick to essentially just give up on players or get rid of players as soon as they think that they're at all injury prone. I mean, I think if if basketball were like football or if the NBA were like the NFL, I mean, we would have the Pelicans would have given up on Drew Holiday four years ago. I mean, he just would be gone. So it's just a different sport in so many ways. Or over at the age of. 27 you've got rookies that are, you know rookies and second year guys that are um retiring because they're afraid of head injuries and stuff so i mean it, in a lot of ways it's just a different sport and you don't want to look like an idiot if you think that you are uh giving up too early on a guy when it turns out that he's much more injured than you realize yeah, and something else to take into account here is uh, the the guaranteeing of contracts in the NBA versus the NFL just just promotes a need more so to take care of your take care of your players because you are in fact stuck with them. You can't just simply cut them. Uh, Delvin Bro has six hundred thousand uh, on his contract guaranteed for this season. I don't. I I I think that's probably below the minimum in the NBA. NBA, wouldn't you say so, Ollie? Yeah, I agree. Um... You know, I still don't know what honestly to make of this because, as you were saying, the um, Sean Payton had, had a knee-jerk reaction. But, you know, the way I look at it is if, if he reacted as such real quickly, um, this goes to show you that this isn't just a first instance. This probably happens a lot behind the scenes that doesn't get revealed uh, beyond the players that you listed earlier. Um, I think there's, you know, you know, first of all, the NFL has got to be said. It's a tough sport. It's not just 16 games they play. They put their bodies through hell. Um, it's a good thing the off season as long as it is, but it's still really not long enough. I mean, look at how long a career in the NFL lasts and for them to even get past like five, six, seven, eight years is, you know, that's, that's definitely in the minority. So I don't think Champagne was necessarily doing the knee jerk reaction because let's face it, it's a 16 game season. 
the need to win, it, the, the amount of pressure is huge. Every game, you've got to have every game, and you've got to be able to rely on your troops. So if a coach has an inkling that maybe a player, you know, is kind of pulling a Derrick Rose, and I hate to say Derrick Rose, but supposedly that guy honestly wouldn't play unless he was 110%. Maybe uh, Sean Payton just doesn't like those type of guys, so um, he was calling him out. But oh, thank God that it was revealed that uh, there was a broken bone and, and that Sean Payton – quickly took all that back uh, and I think the only thing way for him to save face was to get rid of the doctors um, the only interesting thing to me and, and um, I would I don't think we'll ever learn this is but who honestly screwed this up was it the actual physician looking at an x-ray that missed it or was it somebody below him and he kind of just like signed off on it because you know these guys have a lot of uh, jobs to do and especially the guys at the top like Derek Jones he probably has to uh he's responsible for a lot of things. So he may not look at in depth at everything that he should. So he has to have a group of people he trusts and maybe somebody in that chain failed. Uh, we'll never know, but at, you know, bottom line is it, um, it just looks bad. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about that for, from the Saints perspective, at least. It should be noted that uh, Dr. Robert Anderson performed the surgery on bro this past Thursday in green Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, Coach Sean Payton said the operation left Bro with a new plate in in the bone that's that's longer than the one that he had implanted last year. He had the same injury last year. I'm not saying that's at all tied to to the doctors who perform like Derek Jones and Misty Surrey, but what what I'm just saying is the timing is all very peculiar. After uh, you know cutting Dan Daniel Ellery so unceremoniously and then publicly calling out. Delvin Bro, only to find out it it was leaked just hours later, maybe a day that he was being given a second x-ray and that the injury was thought to be more severe than, than predicated. And just all of this happening in, in timing with each other, it just, it just strikes me as very peculiar. And uh, we're just going to, we're going to tie the saints into the Pelicans. Now, Ollie, it's, it's damage control time for, for Sean Payton and the saints. Yeah. Payton called a team meeting where he instructed the players that their health was his primary concern and uh, let's talk a bit about Misty. He serves as the orthopedic uh, surgeon for Osher Medical Group, was promoted last summer to serve as the Pelicans head team physician and the director of medical services. In a release sent to the Associated Press, Oshner stated that Surrey is still with the Pelicans. Dr. Surrey will still remain as the Pelicans physician and Oshner Health System will remain an official sponsor of both the Saints and the Pelicans, uh, Oshner said in a statement. And Surrey was brought on after the Pelicans had... I believe some kind of uh, a record 351 games lost due to injury last year. Anthony Davis played in more games he had ever played. Uh, he played in 75, although he left, uh, I, I want to say a good number, maybe half a dozen of those games early, but Ali, what does it say about Alvin Gentry and the Pelicans now, r- regardless of Surrey's actual abilities, regardless of who's in the wrong here, if they don't separate themselves from him? Well, thank God they had last year, you know. Uh, the 351 missed games happened two years ago, and there was a lot of injury problems before that. As we know, Eric Gordon, he was he, – and Drew Holiday, and, um, you know, Tyreek Evans, all our big guns had suffered through a lot. But last year seemed to be one of the healthier ones, and I even wrote about that as to where, honestly, outside of Dante Cunningham breaking a leg, um, a lot of the injuries at the Pel- – or missed time, I should say, missed games happened because of – um, injuries from previous seasons, like with Quincy Pondexter and uh, Tyreek Evans. They have pre-existing conditions. So I don't like to lump that in together 
they probably did some irreparable damage or as Travis said earlier, we just can't guess as to really what's going on because we, we know so little of the facts here. Um, so to, to answer your original question, I'm not that bothered by them needing to supposedly distance themselves from this news because last year was actually kind of a success. Um, if you want to put that, they don't take care of their players. As you mentioned, Anthony Davis was yanked out of a lot of games early. And I swear that guy was getting x-rays left and right. Even if he would, you know, accidentally chip a fingernail tying the shoelaces. I think they did some x-rays on that. <laughs> so, no, I'm not too worried about moving forward under Misty Series, just simply because of how last year went, how careful they were with the players. And there was so little um, actual injuries that happened during the season. Um, yeah, um, I don't have an issue, honestly, with Misty Surrey coming back unless until we learn more from the Pelicans' perspective. Saints, it's a different story. Um, Derek Jones was in charge. But here under Misty Surrey, I thought they did rather well. Travis, what's your take? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as Ollie. I, I just – you know, again, going back to there's a big difference between what the maybe the actual truth is. If if we were to be a fly on the wall at the at the practice facility and in the front office and even in the hospital, you know, having these talks with the various doctors who are all involved in everything. That's one sort of reality that there is. And then the other reality is how it looks to all the New Orleans Pelicans and New Orleans Saints fans and New Orleans sports fans, it sounds like with Surrey being involved in so many of the uh, New Orleans-based um, athletic teams. But, um, I mean, it's just, my main takeaway is just that it looks bad. And I, I don't know, again, to go back to an earlier point I made, I, mean, I just don't want to make any, like, really bad statements about these professional, uh, you know, medical doctors who certainly know much more information than we could ever know. And even Quincy Pondexter has kind of hinted at, like, there's a story that I need to tell once I'm back and, you know, maybe it'll be once he retires or something, but there's just so much that's kept under wraps that it's, it's really hard to know what the actual real medical truth is. Yeah, uh, Travis mentioned Quincy Pond- Real quick. I want to say this. I'm glad you mentioned Pondexter Travis, because yeah, he dropped that little bombshell and supposedly he says he's going to reveal it in a few months time. And that was back then. So I hope we don't have to wait till the end of his career because honestly, that would change a lot. If any of his negative, so to speak, around his uh, injury or whatever's been going on with him, if there's anything negative and that stems from the Pelicans organization, yeah, then you know what? We got to do a complete reversal. And this Misty Surrey, uh, keeping him on board is going to look really bad. And the only other thing I want to mention, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but on the day of that news coming out with the misdiagnosis and then um, the Sean Payton and the Pel- or the Saints, excuse me, firing the two doctors. Uh, Jared Jack had a cryptic tweet, and this guy rarely ever tweets, and all he did was ha 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 ha. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, he joined us on a 10 day contract or two, and he was coming off uh, ACL injury, and um, he barely even saw any minutes on the court. Um, I don't know, you know, it. Jared Jack could have been referencing anything, but I've heard from some people say that, no, he was actually taking a shot here at the uh, Saints Pelicans medical staff situation. So, you know, hmm. there, there's some stuff out there that we got to consider. So I would love to know what that was and what Quincy Pondexter, hopefully he will talk. Hopefully he'll say everything that's on his mind, everything that happened, clear the situation up a little bit. Ali, do you think this is the end or do you think that this stuff is going to continue coming out? I think it's going to continue coming out. 
I think since some uh, players have – basically, it's going to come out from players that either get scorned. Uh, let's say, for instance, Quincy Bondexter gets traded. Or, you know, heaven forbid, maybe he gets stretched. You know, I don't believe any of that's going to happen. But say something negative happens as to where he ends up in a bad situation, there's not going to be any reason for him to keep, you know, his mouth shut anymore. He can go ahead and open up and say, look, I gave it my all. I entered the playoffs trying to fight for the team back in 14, 15. Um, and I haven't been able to get on the course since. And guess what? I've done all my rehab, but it wasn't my fault. And, you know, he could list some screw-ups. For instance, I know, I think wasn't there an infection during one of his surgeries that kind of was a setback for him? So, you know, that reminds me of Keenan Lewis, who claimed there was an infection in one of his surgeries, too, that, you know, kind of set back his progress. Um, yeah, we don't know anything, but I'm just speculating here on t- tidbits of information as I've listed. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. All we, we can't presume too much, but yet there's enough suspicion there for us to raise eyebrows. Yeah, Justin Verrier, uh, who hopefully we'll have on the podcast next month, originally reported on April 13th that Quincy Pondexter was suffering from a knee infection. This is just a few months ago, and this is this is the most important theme of this that I want to take away. And I'm gonna, I'm going to give it to you, Travis. This this is the most important season in Pelicans history, in in my humble opinion. Uh, not that I'm anybody, but Anthony Davis, you know, he's he's got this collection around him of Rajon Rondo on a one year deal, Demarcus Cousins on a one year deal, Ian Clark. We've just uh, overpaid by all accounts for Drew Holiday, Alvin Gentry, and Dell Dempster on the hot seat. We are on the cusp of either doing something very special or watching it all fall apart. We have an aging uh, owner. We've we've got a I, I don't want to say a dysfunctional front office, but I was going to touch upon how it takes five weeks from the end of the season for Mickey Loomis to come out uh, with a statement on Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry. I'll touch on that later. And now we've got this history coming to light of botched surgeries on Brian Young and Chris Chamberlain, as we talked about, Keenan Lewis, as we just mentioned, Quincy Pondexter. These, these might not tie together. They might just be coincidence, but here's the most important part. If we get into the regular season and this storyline continues and it creates distrust in the locker room, creates media attention, coming back to, to Misty Surrey and, and Oshner or Travis, how do the Pelicans overcome that? Win ball games. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that if, if they stay relatively healthy and they come out and they, you know, you and I and, and uh, Trevor kind of de- dissected the, um, the schedule last pod I was on with you. And, you know, if they start out something like, you know, they, they keep their heads above water, they go three and three, and then they go, you know, seven and five in the first 12 or something. And then they start killing it in December and January and February. And if, you know, and I think a lot of people, you know, if you have multiple thoughts about the team, you have kind of a, this is how we're going to look if everything goes good. And this is how we're going to look if everything goes bad. Well, if everything goes good, um, all these storylines disappear. If they, if they don't win on the floor, now you have time to kind of dissect all the things that happen outside of the 94 feet. And that will be, I think that's always the difference maker. I worked in minor league sports for, for three seasons with the Idaho Stampede. And everything that happened off the floor was so much worse because the team was consistently losing. And that was in minor league sports. I mean, you know, it's, it was the D League. But it still just makes a huge difference. It changes the way people interact with each other. It just, it's the, it is the life force behind 
um, you know, the power of the Spurs, for instance, because they know they're going to win 50 games. And so everything else kind of fits into place. Ali, here's my next point. The softest part of the Pelicans' schedule, I think we'd all agree, uh, touches on January heading into February before the last game, I believe, February 28th versus San Antonio. There there are some troublesome spots in uh, October and early November. So this this is an opportunity where the Pelicans could come a, a little slowly out of the gate and uh, – and this injury concern could could surf. I guess my general question is, wouldn't it be a little bit easier just to replace Misty Surrey? We don't know that. I know that, for instance, the Saints are conducting a wide search, and they're definitely looking outside of Oshner and hiring somebody else. Honestly, I don't even know. Have they hired anybody else yet, guys, or not? I don't think they have. Not right. yet. I I just deleted a quote from Sean Payton saying that the uh, the search was ongoing. They're They're looking for candidates as we speak. Okay. Yeah, so the fact that he did well, he's only been there a year. Um, granted, this is the off season. I just don't think it's that easy replacing Misty Surrey. Um, you need somebody locally, somebody that, you know, I'm going to use that word trustworthy, but um, if Misty Surrey, say, like, let's say, for instance, he was in charge of, I don't know, how many x-rays do you think they did on Pelicans last season? I don't I know. Let's say 50. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, let's say for 50. And honestly, there was no issues on any player coming back on the floor. Uh, Drew Holiday's, for instance, his stress reaction never proved a, a bother. Anthony Davis, he didn't have anything that, you know, some kind of nick turned it up into being a month miss. Um, nothing went out of, you know, out of whack. Nothing went too awry last season. So, again, that's what that's why I'm basing everything solely for that on that as to why I honestly don't have a problem with Misty Surrey coming back. Yeah, we've really never touched on the fact that uh, these are two completely different sports and the the athletes' bodies are used in a, a variety of, of, of different ways. Uh, let's let's move right on along. We've touched on this enough, and I, I tried to get you guys to panic, and you just wouldn't succumb. Uh, so, you know, you guys just ganging up against me, just like you uh, you predicted you would. Uh, let's, let's move along to Frank Jackson. Ollie, you've got an argument up on thebirdrights.com about why, if pressed into action, uh, Duke freshman, uh, I guess point guard, combo guard, maybe Frank Jackson might be able to contribute sooner than we think. Tell our listeners a bit more about your story. Sure. I just, you know, I went in with like any player. I honestly don't know that much about. I just kind of try and just get a, do a lot of research, get a general idea about him and see what the numbers say. Um, I'm not a scout. So looking at a ton of film and saying, oh, he's going to turn out like that. I can't do that. Otherwise, I'd be making a lot more money working a different job. But uh, to, to be honest with you, Frank Jackson jumps off the page. Um, there hasn't been too many 19-year-olds that enter the league, first of all. I think I had written there's been about 64 in the last 12 drafts. And very few have been picked in the second round. But beyond that, when you compare his numbers, his shooting numbers to all those 19-year-old guards, um, he's right there behind Kyrie Irving and uh, Devin Booker in terms of not putting the ball through the hoop. Uh, and then on uh, his actual abilities, for instance, his jumping ability and uh, sprinting, running, agility, all that stuff, it's, it's right there near number one. And that's unheard of. When I scan through all of these players, including, uh, like, let's, let me see, let's, for instance, uh, talk about Bradley Beal. This guy did, you know, he was a top draft pick, great shooter, coming out for saying he's done nothing to disappoint in Washington. Um, he's had, of course, some injury concerns, but that's not what we're talking about here. He's a great athlete, great shooter, and guess what? He's produced in the uh, NBA. Same thing can be said for uh, Devin Booker. 
this guy actually has really good agility, um, and he was a lights-out shooter. And look how well he's doing. Who else is on that list? D'Angelo Russell. Um, but the one, my favorite comparison was Zach Levine. If you compare their numbers, those guys almost jump just as high, run just as quickly. But Frank Jackson was a heck of a lot better shooter during his freshman season. Um, that just blows my mind then that he ended up going 31st in the draft. Uh, the story on him, he's a great scorer. He can get to the free throw line. He can shoot from the outside. Uh, his knocks are he's not the biggest of shooting guards. You had mentioned point guard, Preston, but honestly, he's more of a shooting guard because he honestly shows very little playmaking ability at Duke. Uh, so we have to kind of hold that against him until he proves otherwise. And people have knocked on his defense. But again, I mean, what are six men worth? We saw what Lou Williams and Eric Gordon and others uh, last few years, how well they've done in that role. If Frank Jackson could just turn out to be one of those lights out microwaves off the bench, that would be a hell of a find in the second round. So, yeah, I got kind of excited about this guy and doing all this research. Um, and like I said, it, it's hard to say what he's going to, what kind of role he's going to fit in this year because he's fallen the shoes of so few. Uh, the other 19-year-olds that have gone in the second round, I mentioned in the article, none of them have been guards. Um, none of those guys performed uh, really well in their freshman years in colleges. And they didn't, um, you know, display top-tier athleticism at NBA Combine. Frank Jackson's an outlier, uh, you know, an outlier as there can be. So we have honestly have no idea, but the blueprint, the numbers, his athleticism, if you factor all that in, it tells me that if this guy can learn, uh, pick up on the Pelican system strategies and such, get the coaches or listen to the coaches, and they can get him to do a few good things, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to step in for a team that saw, you know, 10-day contract players coming in and out, being shuffled in and out. And, you know, I think he'd probably fare better than them. So, you know, if we see him, I've heard this argument. Yeah, if we see him, that means there's something going on with the Pelican season. Either they're tanking or they're, you know, missing a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys sitting out on the sidelines. So that wouldn't be a good thing. But I think if it were to happen, I honestly don't think Frank Jackson would disappoint all that much. Uh, towards the end of the article, I made that comparison to Sheik Diallo. Diallo had no experience. This guy is so fresh to basketball, and it, it showed between his footwork, his ability to pass, you just play the game. He couldn't do it. And on defense, we've, we've all noted it. He, he's lost most of the time, but he's really improved. But again, Jackson doesn't need to go through that improvement. He's like already there. He's already got these skills um, and the size and general understanding. So I don't know. I mean, I think honestly called upon, I think this guy could actually do a few good things on the court. Ali is on the hype train. You forgot to mention his stunning smile, Ali. Uh, but the- oh, that's right. <laughs> The Pelicans traded their their 40th overall pick plus cash considerations to trade up to 31st uh, to select Frank Jackson. He's 6'2", 6'7 six, uh, wingspan, I think. Uh, a former five-star recruit, uh, offensive promising, jaw-dropping athleticism like Zach Levine. 42-inch vertical, averaged over 10 points a game on 54% shooting, 39% from three. We have to mention the stress reaction in his foot, although he did play the entire season uh, on that stress reaction. Travis... The Pels are littered at guard right now with uh, newcomers Ian Clark, Rajon Rondo, and then, of course, Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, uh, Frank Jackson, and Jordan Crawford. If I were to tell you today 
that Jackson received substantial minutes in his first season. Would you think that the Pelicans either forfeited the season, the Pelicans were were ravaged by injuries, and the Oshner thing looms over all of us? Or do you think Jackson's athletic ability immediately vaults him over the likes of Jordan Crawford and Ian Clark? Yeah, man, that's a good question. I, I do want to just quickly say I that's a great story that Ollie wrote. Uh, a lot of research obviously did go into that to to compare um, Frank to all those other 19-year-old draft picks. Um, you know, y- you and I talked on a few podcasts ago about Frank Jackson, and I'm all on board um, as well, kind of thinking. I compare him potentially to like a Malcolm Brogdon because I think that he's going to be able to uh, improve his defense and he'll be locked in and he's not going to get playing time unless he's good at defense. I mean, that's just, you know, that's the way it works in the NBA. So if he gets a lot of playing time this year, I would guess that because typically most coaches always play veterans over rookies, almost no matter what the, the reason that Malcolm Brogdon played a lot last year for the bucks is that they didn't, they don't need a true point guard there because they've got Giannis and in that way, the Pelicans are somewhat similar because they're going to be running a lot of offense through Drew, who I guess, you know, we're now going to be considering a two, and DeMarcus Cousins. And so I think that you can find ways, assuming I'm going to, these are big time assumptions, but if he does these things, I think he can get on the floor. If Frank Jackson is a versatile uh, defender of both the, uh, well, I guess maybe even three positions, one, two, and three. And if he can do the right things on offense, kind of know where his spots are and what he should be doing, give up the ball a lot. Um, maybe he makes smart cuts. Maybe he can uh, display some of that athleticism that you that you see nicely ranked in this story. I mean, he's got got incredible measurables. Um, so if he can do the right things on offense and become a positive on the defensive side, he should get minutes. I would love to see that. You know, because I think in a lot of ways he could beat out somebody like Jordan Crawford, who, although he does have a nice skill set in terms of just straight up making shots, um, maybe his floor game isn't quite as good as Frank Jackson's. That's kind of a leap to make. I mean, the guy is still just 19, so it's really hard to tell. And there's so many guards, like you mentioned. It's hard to imagine him taking away minutes from Etwan Moore and then obviously Holiday and Rondo. Um, But I like him, and I think that that if they see him developing really well in practice and stuff, maybe that, maybe that makes them able to offer up somebody like Etwan Moore in a trade down the line. If they think that they can use him to get a bigger wing, um, maybe that's a way that they could use him. But Ollie, big ups on the, on the Frank Jackson story. I am also all in. All right, that's that's Ollie, enough. Stop, oh, yeah. stop kissing right. Ollie's butt. Okay, Ollie, you're the man, Preston. You stink. <laughs> Go ahead, Ollie. Yeah, one thing. Well, yeah, I was I was answering Travis real quick. Yeah, I was in awe when I talked. I did not expect to write something this positive, but yeah, it, it turned out that way. Um, watch, watch, he's going to turn out to be the biggest disappointment now. So, yeah, he yeah, might be Rashad Vaughn. Yeah, like you mentioned, the <laughs> negative guys who are who are those nineteen-year-olds like Rashad Vaughn and Moutier and uh, who do don't, who else? Don't forget Xavier Henry. Yeah, yeah, but that guy was injury. But yeah, Teague, Marcus Teague was. He had great measurables, but the guy couldn't shoot a lick, you know? Uh, yeah. Pray to God that doesn't happen to Frank Jackson, because as I mentioned in the article, it's going to all come down to his shooting. He's going to have to be able to knock down shots to avoid, you know, kind of falling down that path. But no, Preston, what I really want to quickly touch on is you said they see they're going to take 
injuries or um, a, a really bad season for him to see minutes. I could also see, let's say, for instance, maybe the Rajon Rondo experiment doesn't work, um, and it's maybe not entirely his fault as to where, you know, he just doesn't work on the court because there's not enough shooters. And then let's say Jordan Crawford, and I love him to death, but he's not been the consistent Mr. Efficient jump shooter throughout his career. Last season, honestly, was kind of an anomaly for him. So let's just say those couple things happened. That would open the door for Frank Jackson to see minutes. Yes. You know, behind Drew Holiday, Ian Clark, and Etron Moore, you're going to need another guard. So I can see another scenario as to where he could maybe find some minutes. How dare you? I am appalled at how easily you both dispatch <laughs> of Michael Jordan Crawford. <laughs> what what has come over both of you? I am I'm so shamed by these comments. <laughs> You guys, let's move right along. Let's pretend like that didn't happen. Shams reported Quinn Cook signed a partially guaranteed two-year contract with the Atlanta Hawks. Ali, are are you shedding any tears? Yeah, because I honestly like the guy. I think he can contribute. But I think the way the Pelicans pre- or, or offseason worked out, I'm not surprised. They got Rajon Rondo, so we don't need another handler on, on, the, uh, on the roster. They signed Ian Clark, so there you go. There's like the, the dead-eye shooter. And then you've got Frank Jackson in the wings, who's like Quinn Cook, but a hell of a lot faster and a, a better jumper. And, uh, you know, he's more NBA ready. So, honestly, Quinn Cook kind, kind of got squeezed by the roster the Pelicans were able to assemble. Um, but that said, I think this guy is going to be in the NBA. He, he's a quality NBA player. We saw him in the summer league. This guy was consistent from game in to game out. And I know it's a summer league, but honestly, just to run a team, knock down jumpers, that's what you're kind of asked to do as a backup point guard. He nailed it. So I think the Hawks made a good signing. Travis, any memories uh, of Quinn Cook you'd like to disclose? <laughs> no, I, I don't have any long-lasting memories of uh, Quinn Cook. No, but, he, you know, he's a nice player. And I, I don't I don't have the same um, Atlanta hatred as many of our, <laughs> of, of our fans and, and maybe you two do. Uh, so I don't mind him going there. I think Atlanta is not going to be very good, though, so they need to Careful. find a way to get better. Careful. We don't want to lose any of our Atlanta-based listeners. All right, that's the, all the time we have today. We've got the Saints' second preseason game tonight against the Chargers. This is a Sunday night we're recording this, as well as Episode 6 of Game of Thrones. Travis, people are uh, predicting a, a Snowshins 11-type atmosphere on tonight's episode. Give us your prediction for tonight's super team up. Yeah, so somebody's got to die in the big fight against the, well, not even that big of a fight because there's only like, what, 10 guys going out there? Um, uh, not even eight. Yeah, oh, and, and so, then some background actors. Yeah, so maybe I was thinking the guy who in the, uh, in the preview from last week, uh, he made his sword turn into a big f- a flame, like essentially like a, that Star Wars thing, whatever that's called, a lightsaber. Um, yeah, a lightsaber, <laughs> but with fire. But I think that I think that guy is going down. Uh, that's Thoros Amir and Beric Dondarrion. Each of them uh, can make their their swords aflame. Uh, oh man! So, so that's a poor prediction, is basically what I'm saying, Travis. Sorry. Unless you think they're both going down. Let's say both. Uh, yeah, they're both going down. All right, a hot take, and I can just guarantee right now, all those poor background guys carrying all the supplies. They're all goners. Uh, just just rest easy on those. Enjoy. Remember, you guys can follow Travis at Trebeta, Ali at Red Hopeful, and all things Pelicans at our home on thebirdrights.com. Ali, what have we got coming up on the site this week? we got a lot. I sent out a bunch of uh, roundtable questions. 
that I hope you guys answer and send them back to me so we can have lots of good, fun content. Um, we'll leave it at that. I, I'm still working on I'm hoping they'll get my uh, historical perspective and why it favors the Pelicans on making a postseason. I, I'm pretty sure I'll get it done by tomorrow. If not, then Tuesday at the latest. All right, good stuff. We'll be back on Tuesday uh, as well with Ali and Kevin Berrios, a hot new episode, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but for now, thank you, guys. Travis, would you like to say goodbye? Thanks for having me, Preston. And uh, Ali, you're the man. You know, you're a beautiful man. And Preston, I can't say the same for you. Shameful. <laughs> Shameful. Ali, so thank good. you as always. And uh, you guys, let's go, pals. Don't miss Old Navy's Saturday Steal. This Saturday, all jeans are on sale for 50% off. Plus, get $3 kids deals like graphic tees and tanks and $7 girls dresses. Saturday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Validate 3 excludes in-store clearance. Select styles on kids deals and girls dresses. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.